I'm Jason Klom, and this is the Comedy on Vinyl podcast. The year's 1986, the album, Polka Party. The guest, the guest, the, the artist, you might guess, is Weird Al Yankovic, and my guest is Eddie Schmidt. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, man. I'm happy to be here with you. I'm so glad that you asked to, to come on because, uh, first of all, we've never done this album, as you probably noticed. Um, so I that, that's question number one. Why this one out of all the Weird Al albums? Because you've never done it. All right. Easy enough. <laughs> easy enough. Was there, was there another one you would have done if it wasn't I, this one? Yeah, I think I was. Uh, my my first gut instinct was to go for the UHF soundtrack mm, album mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I saw it fitting in an interesting pantheon of comedy albums in the sense that because it has bits from the film, mm-hmm. it has, you know, what would be sort of sketch type elements sure. that don't exist on his other records. Um, and in that way, more fall in line from, say, Python type albums. Yeah, and I thought true. it was interesting that he had. An, an instrumental on it that's very mm-hmm. good. And then, of course, the Special City and Gandhi 2 commercials. And just, it doesn't follow the sort of parody original format True. of yeah. the others. Yeah. So I thought, oh, let's talk about that. And it's underrated. And then you've done it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, but you've never done Polka Party. That's true. Which I think, you know, was, was a huge time the 1986 87 years were a big part uh, of my initial weird al fandom yeah and in some ways sort of a darker time for his career because it was not a successful record yeah it's so weird not initially that that and uhf and what was the other there was one other that that has not those those two are i think are his biggest flops oddly but yeah i think i think maybe the the first album probably wasn't as big big as the others um and it's interesting because uh polka party has one of the most enduring originals, which is Dog Eat Dog. Absolutely. Talking Heads parody. Absolutely. And, and to me, that is the gold standard by which all Talking Heads spoofs should be judged. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I think when you've seen him do it live in the white suit oh. and the kind of like faux girlfriend is better, stop making sense intro, like it, he really, you know, it's still part of his catalog today because it's mm-hmm. a great song. Yeah. Uh, the Onion, the AV Club did a whole piece about how it kind of uh, presages office space and this whole idea. Well, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. yeah okay. Of of work culture and uh, and and when the um, which was also brilliant the um, documentary now spoof mm-hmm. that they did earlier this year of stop making sense. I thought, well, can this be as good as Dog Eat Dog? Right. And it was truly excellent. Yeah. I yeah, think yeah. they called the band Test Pattern, <laughs> Fred Armis and Bill mm. Hader thing, and the songs are of that level. Like, mm-hmm. they could be good talking head songs yeah, yeah, yeah. on their own. And that's how I feel about Doggy Dog. Like, it's just a great song. Sure. And it's really funny, and, you know, it just, it holds up. Yeah. Uh, and then another track on that that I think is, maybe maybe doesn't endure in quite the same way, but it is still incredibly funny, is Living with a Hernia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you just have to imagine at that time, like... Hey Al, we're looking for an, an, another hit single. Great, mm-hmm. I, I've got I've got the record. I want to do Living in America, and of course, I'm sure at the time, you know, it would have been like, oh, you'll do Living in Siberia or uh-huh. some kind of like right. Yakov Smirnoff style. Like that would have been the prevailing sort of hack comedy <laughs> That's wisdom. True, yeah, and it's like, no, no, I'm going to do a song about hernias, a <laughs> funk he's song. Screaming, <laughs> it's perfect. Right, right, it's, and so you get the sort of double parody because it's sort of like. Oh right, the James Brown is now an old man doing these dance routines and could likely hurt himself, you know. And then instead of the the rundown of cities, you get the brilliant rundown of all the different types of hernia that you could get. And have you, you have you you've seen Weird Al live, right? Mm-hmm. Only a couple times, unfortunately. Ha- yeah. Have you seen him? Did you? Because he doesn't do it anymore. But did you ever see him do Living with a Hernia? Here's okay. So the first when I saw him the first time, the most recent times have just been very recent. The first time was like two. Th- thousand so no i don't think so he wasn't even he didn't even do the talking heads he didn't even do dog eat dog which makes well, me sad he'll pull out like old originals you know from time to time mm-hmm. for the fans which we appreciate and um but living with a hernia i guess because it's an old parody and wasn't one of the huge ones but when he did it which i think was at least through the maybe the alapalooza tour i guess okay he would do it with the full James Brown intro. That's so good. So Bermuda Schwartz would be, you know, would be keeping a beat and go, you know, 
ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, let me please introduce you to, you know, and they had this whole <laughs> list of attributions, you know, the Ayatollah of rock and roll, <laughs> pow, the Prince of Wales, pow, the Prince of Tides, bam, the chicken of the sea, bam, you know, the, just the most ridiculous. Of course. And, and just kept going and going and oh. going. And it was really wonderful. Mm -hmm. And then he would come out. You know, full regalia. He did the trick with the mic stand that he does in the video, uh -huh. which is not easy to do. No. Had the guy with the cape coming after him uh -huh. and, and would really drag it out. Like, it, he's one of the great showmen, one of the great live performers Absolutely of right. all time. Absolutely. And I actually saw James Brown um, at the Greek Theater. Really? Um, yeah. And I, and I, I mean, I, I feel fortunate that in, you know, in my lifetime, I feel like I've seen a lot of the, like, saw Prince mm -hmm. and, and feel like, you know, I, I'm, it's important to go and see the legends when you sure, can. Sure, yeah. But Weird Al, I've easily seen a dozen Weird Al concerts, and mm -hmm. he always puts on like, uh, you know, the the mathematically impossible hundred and ten percent show. Mm -hmm. Like, no matter where you are. Like, I, I this last summer I went to see him at, actually at the Oregon Zoo. That just happened to <laughs> really? be at, really, or Portland Zoo in Oregon, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, this is interesting because I usually see him in New York or L.A. Sure. What will he be like outside of a major media capital? Mm-hmm. He was incredible. Mm -hmm. He did a great performance. It wasn't like he held back or phoned it in because he yeah. wasn't in like a major market. No way. Like he yeah. went for it. And everybody in the audience appreciates how much he puts into the performance. Sure, sure. So I would hope that at some point we'll get to see Living with a Hernia live again because it yeah. really is a spectacle. He's the kind of guy who doesn't who I would imagine doesn't believe in flyover states. Uh, you know, he's he just doesn't give a shit. As long as you're there to see him, yes, he the love just pours out and just it's you know. And the more you're making me think about this, and I hadn't thought about it. In turn, let me grab the album just because it's fun to look at mm -hmm. when we're talking about it. But living with a hernia was is one of those what that I I don't while I don't I don't auditorially confuse it with like a surgeon. They're similar enough in terms of being about medical. something medical. <laughs> like in, in my head, they're slightly confused. But like just that list of hernias, that is to do the research. That is the nerdiest damn thing in the world. Like he's such a pure uh, nerd. Way pre-Google, by the yeah, way. Right. We're talking about library research. Exactly. Yeah. So it's like the pure nerdiness. And I'm like, I'm not talking about from perspective, everybody looks at him the same. Oh, he's got glasses, so he's a nerd. That's not <laughs> what we're talking about. We're talking about a guy who like loves his craft so much that yeah. he'll research hernias. Yeah, it's scientific comedy. Yeah. He, 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 if you're going to do a song about hernias, uh -huh. you're not just going to just do it by rote or or you're actually going to research hernias. Mm -hmm. Like, of course you would. <laughs> um, and, and then, you know, there's another track on here which continues to endure. In fact, now has a resurgence because the lexicon of of the title has changed again so for mm -hmm. a long time christmas at ground zero was yeah. not played on radio because of 9-11 yeah well ground zero obviously you know meant something else from mm -hmm. from you know bombings years ago it did not it did not was not just associated with 9-11 right. and so the cultural sensitivity shifted but this song was a great satire of a, a great cold war spoof yeah with this incredible phil specter you know, track or an original song, but done in the style of great production and really, a pr I mean, Tom Lehrer level of genius. Yes. Of just like super smart wordplay, mm -hmm. super intelligent jokes, a, a great video that rivals the, the Devo Beautiful World mm -hmm. video. Yeah. Like really smart. Has a spoken word uh, piece in the video from Ronald Reagan that's not wow. in the song where he says- It's been um, a while since I've seen he, it. He says something like, um, well, kids- uh, the, the big day is just around the corner, and I hope you're looking forward to it as much as I am, or something like That's that. Right. But it's like a creepy, you know. Uh -huh. you, you, I mean, look, I was a teenager in the 80s, and the Cold War, you know, was still very real to us. Sure. And so the idea of this Yuletide song about duck and cover really was quite delicious satirically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, in the. Now in the scary Trump era, era, you're, I think we're we're seeing that this song can be appreciated again for uh -huh. the message that it had. It's absolutely true. I you know there I do like to hop back to older Weird Al tracks, like specifically this, and uh, I don't know if it's my favorite, but I think it's it's one of my favorites in terms of nobody brings it up uh, is Trigger Happy, and oh, I great. just like he's. His his satire is not appreciated, but I think it's also okay because it gets there. It gets under the wall, under the radar for everybody. So it's and that's how it ought to work, you know. Yeah, well, it's interesting because he has a lot of really sharp, biting 
satire in his songs. And if you're only paying attention to the, the most popular parodies, you wouldn't necessarily know. 100%. But what he's doing, I think, for and did for generations, uh, you know, not just us, but like look at the, the Lonely Island guys mm -hmm. who love him and Seth Meyers and all these people. Like if you were a fan and you bought the album, not only did you get really sharp, you know, satire beyond maybe what what you would have expected as a kid hearing mm -hmm. this eat it on the radio but you also got introduced to all this great music that he was doing these style parodies or pastiches of. yeah and so and and particularly with the al tv specials i felt like i was introduced to a ton of music through weird al like mm -hmm. i became a b-52s devo hardcore fan because of weird al mm -hmm. they might be giants he was playing put your hand inside the puppet oh, head yeah on al tv and um and so all this stuff the great oingo boingo you know all of which I, that i've just mentioned he's done parodies sure of. you know the oingo boingo one on even worse uh, you make me a great i mean it, it's it uh everything craig's all the way up to craig's list of the doors like yeah. it's just it's staggering um the, the the breadth and depth of the musicality but I think it opens so many doors for kind of smart, weird kids like mm -hmm, us to, mm -hmm. to go, wow, there's, a, there's not only a world out there of sort of smart subversion, mm -hmm. but a world out there of music. Yeah, yeah. And to really get appreciation for both. Absolutely. I, I, I was the kind of nerd who, so I grew, I, you know, I, I discovered him, um, no, well, maybe around the time this came out, but I lived in Germany at the time, and so we had, like, limited shit that we were exposed to. And usually, like, a year later than everybody else was getting it. So then I come over here, and my best friend loves Weird Al, well, my eventual best friend loves Weird Al, and I was like, that's what solidifies our friendship. <laughs> and, like, I, I missed out, so I'm still, I still feel like I'm playing catch-up on what some of the music was, which is weird. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, I mean, because, it, and, and right, it's so American, you mm -hmm. know, in its point of view and perspective. Um, so that is interesting. I, I, it was definitely a bonding thing for me and my close friends mm -hmm. and we're still tight as a matter of fact my two best friends since eighth grade we were the one we were all together at that concert oh, in portland that i just mentioned so good that's amazing <laughs> yeah. yeah and and we and weird al was a huge thing for us actually around the first album mm -hmm. i wasn't living in germany i was living here mm -hmm. and one of uh, 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 my friend jason had it and um you know we the three of us for, were the nucleus of my parody band bullschmidt <laughs> so because I want I you know yes I have this whole career as, as a documentary filmmaker and TV showrunner but at, at that age I thought well maybe I can be an, another Weird Al not the next Weird Al I didn't sure. want to replace Weird Al I thought the world was big enough for more Weird Al's um, it, it wasn't <laughs> it was not um, <laughs> so so we yeah so as Bull Schmidt like we did a song called Fruit Loops that was a parody of Footloose by Kenny Loggins. <laughs> We also did originals, mm -hmm. you know, we had, they were ridiculous. These like, are all things I'm going to demand to listen to I like to, to play point. with my face uh, was an original. <laughs> um, yeah, we thought we would follow, you know, it, it, uh, it wasn't going to happen for me, though. That's so good, though. <laughs> I love that you went to the effort. Yeah, you did it. Like, you at least tried. That is, that is. Oh, yeah. I mean, I sent cassettes. Gussy, I was a really ambitious kid. So, like, I was sending those cassettes to, like, Rhino Records and stuff. Like, I so thought, good. why can't I get, like, a deal, you know? <laughs> right. Like, I'm. I'm a kid doing funny music. <laughs> and Rhino Records, like the guy called me at home, like he was mm -hmm. really nice, oh, actually. Awesome. He said I should send it to Weird Al, which of course, Weird Al doesn't want anyone else's ideas. Right. So of course that was not good advice, but I appreciate the effort that mm -hmm. he made. Uh, I did not send it to Weird Al because I knew better uh -huh. not to send my well stupid done. ideas. Well yeah. done. <laughs> yeah. But that's interesting that you came in later. I feel like I came in just as the first album had peaked. Yeah. 
and then I was with him the whole time. That's like perfect, and, yeah. And and I, it, what's interesting, I think we you experienced it in the culture when Mandatory Fun became the number one album. Like, yeah. Those of us that hung in there, this was like our victory. A hundred percent. We were like in it together, mm-hmm. and so I I felt that way for all his victories. You know, for, for Eat It, I remember you know seeing him on like there's this talk show in New York uh, when I was growing up called Live at Five that mm-hmm. was like. That, you know, that was like, if you were the guest on Live at Five, like you were there promoting a movie, like it was a big deal. So the fact that like, oh my God, here's this goofball that we love, who's this underground Dr. Demento thing. He's on Live at Five. Like, wow. You know, we were, (laughs) we were amazed. And so all those little victories along the way, UHF, everything, it felt like a milestone for Weird Al was also a milestone for us, Uh, those of us. That were the fans. See, that's so good. Like, I, I, I hit it at a point where, like, he was just, he was, just, he was just there. He was ubiquitous. I yeah. think, rel- at least for nerds, you know. And, and as far as we knew, he would always be there, you know. And it was, it was nice having that. But that's so. You grew up in New York City. I yeah, I was born in Staten Island, and then um, we moved to Connecticut when I was in seventh grade, and that's when I found these guys, mm-hmm. fellow weirdos. Um, and so yeah, so it was just at the point where between the first and second album so it was like you got in on the ground floor and then it was like he was the the quote-unquote overnight pop culture sensation like he crossed Mm -hmm. to the mainstream with eat it and the 3d album and yeah i mean like i you know would tape on vhs all the tv appearances Mm -hmm. like it was because i think and a lot of it's interesting i think the people sort of just before us generally generationally in comedy didn't get it mm-hmm. like i always felt like the snl a lot of people that i love like i felt like they didn't they didn't get what was great about weird al sure sure because they were not young enough they were like the, they yeah. were the previous generation's comedy and so what you've seen now is all the appreciation of the generations that came after um but at the time like i felt like oh this is something new but it's the most it's the this comedy I can relate to most because it combines all the things I love. It's music, it's funny, and it's visual. It's a, it's like he's making little movies, little sure. funny movies with music, and he and his persona. Like I just this was it was just a great um, kind of joke on all of pop culture. Mm-hmm. Like 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 not just the song, but the image of the artist. Sure, but the the pomposity of the video, like. It sort of was everything in one package that I thought, well, th- that's what I'm about comedically. Like, yeah. Like Mad Magazine, like writ large. Yeah. You know, I think, and that's one thing that people miss about Weird Al is that at the end of his career, when he's, you know, I think in our hopes, 150, <laughs> uh, I, I, it, it's going to be a collection that becomes a thesis more than anything else. It's like, yes, okay, we get it. Yes, we all know he makes jokes about TV and food, and but it's, there's, there's a reason for that. A, it's important. B, it's in the zeitgeist. C, it's always going to be very American. So it's like celebration, it's pastiche all at the same time. I, I yeah. think it's all going to say something at the end. Yeah. It already does. It's already relevant. You well, know? right. And I think also, too, that I think he showed that you can do high and low comedy. Mm-hmm. You can have a very broad joke, ostensibly a very broad joke, with some very sly wordplay uh-huh. and innuendo and other things buried within it. And I think... All, again, all the humor, whether it's South Park or whatever, all takes that approach of like, no, 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 we're not just doing, you know, erudite, uh, <laughs> literate comedy. We're doing comedy for everyone. So yeah. it has a, a range of dumb jokes, smart jokes, dirty jokes, mm-hmm. political jo- Everything is all within the realm of, of the, the, the wellspring of humor. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, it was... Uh, I was the kid. I don't know. So now, when you were growing up, mm-hmm. I, I would listen to Doctor Demento mm-hmm. every Sunday night. See, this is a thing I never got. Okay, I you was know, I say. Li- upstate New York did not have access. Where, where in upstate New York? Uh, Oneonta. Okay, so my my mom's family is uh, from Frankfurt, which is oh, sure. in the Utica. Area. Mm-hmm, yeah. So yeah, that's where a lot of my family is too. Okay. So yeah. Well, but, this, but we didn't get it. We didn't get much in the range of radio. So right. Doctor Demento, I didn't know what he was. I didn't. I hadn't even heard of him until late high school which have been the late 90s for me oh wow okay. yeah so right. i was like what the fuck is dr demento and i'm like oh so he's the reason i have weird al that's that, that's insane right. you know and that's weird to me that i didn't know well what was cool about dr demento is you know now you it's an era where you can find anything right mm-hmm. and you can find anything quickly sure through, via the internet at that time there was a mainstream pervasive culture and then there was really an underground culture where like you had to go looking for stuff mm-hmm. there weren't signposts it wasn't an easy thing 
as a portal to get to. So if you, you know, among the kids who knew Dr. Demento was a show that was on usually Sunday nights uh, in most markets Mm -hmm. late. I think it was on like nine or 10 o'clock. So I would set uh, a a cassette tape. I'd go to Radio Shack and get like the super like 120, Mm -hmm. you know, that and and then my boom box would automatically flip the other side. So I could get all two hours of the show. All right. Okay. So I would sort of like listen under the covers. My mom would tell me to go to bed and then I would like turn the sound down, but make sure it was recording so that the next morning Mm -hmm. I had everything. And then you'd listen to it while you get ready for school. And then you'd go in and trade the tapes at school or talk about like, oh, did you hear last night on the Funny Five? Uh And so Weird Al was, of course, the big discovery. But the whole show had, you know, I mean, I can still sing songs that were probably never even released on record from like songs about nuns (laughs) and songs about cars and nose jobs and all this stuff. Like it was this kind of freaky thing. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that you had to like, listen late at night under the covers and only eight kids at school knew about it like it made it this cool weird thing and then that's why for to see weird al on carson or something seemed all the more remarkable because it wasn't this sort of you know back alley media exposure it was the mainstream I mean, it, there's there's not a lot to compare with that. I mean, nowadays, I, I, every once in a while, I'll be like, well, oh, that's cool. I remember seeing that guy uh, start on YouTube, and now he's got a major television show. But that's kind of seems to be what everybody wants to do and gets to yeah. do. <laughs> but yeah, that, that is unusual. So you did, you definitely had the radio experience before seeing him on TV, right? Uh, yeah, well, and I didn't, we didn't have MTV. In fact, we didn't have oh, shit. cable. Okay. So we, how did I, that's a really great question. When did I first see Weird Al? I think I'm going to say... Uh, I must have definitely heard the songs. Like mm-hmm. the whole first album was just based on it being funny. Like I remember playing it for my dad, who's a great lover of comedy, like playing him my Bologna and, and, and when it comes to the belch part and he just laughed, and we, <laughs> I play like rewind it and play it over for him. Like he was totally down with weird Al. And I don't know, I guess I probably didn't see him. I must have gone to a friend's house to see the okay. video, or maybe it was on like Casey Kasem's America's Top Ten. Like right. I was laughing just at the musical jokes mm-hmm. before seeing the video, and then then it blew my mind because it was awesome. like on double level. Oh, you know? That's the perfect experience, man. Yeah, it was. The, oh, it was because it was so gradual. Good. It was mm-hmm. gradual. I had to like earn it. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. And yeah, we did not have cable, so I remember going. Like I would try to make sure that I could be at friends' houses when Al TV was on oh, so good so good and i still in my garage i still have the vhs vhs tapes of Al tv awesome. which you can see on youtube yeah so you can i could I, throw but, out the vhs but, but i i haven't quite brought myself i got yet. that yeah do you think okay so it's i don't know what, what do we do you have a theory as to why this album flopped i have a couple theories but they're complete conjecture so i don't know i think well it's interesting i was trying to figure that out and, and weird now is very analytical has probably thought a lot about this i think if you look this could be random. I could be wrong, but I think his most successful stuff mm-hmm. comes out in the spring or the summer. Okay. This is, I believe, the only album that came out in the fall, and it came out really in late October. Okay. Probably didn't hit a lot of stores until November, so it was kind of in that realm when pop culture had a slower burn. Mm-hmm. Like now, it's like, oh, it, something comes out, we all know about it. Sure. Back then, not so much. So by the time this thing like got on the charts and living with a hernia was on MTV. Like it's almost already Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And so then like 
just the meat i think it just got swallowed up a little yeah. bit just in terms of the timing of it and then i think for its all for all of its comedic lasting power for living with a hernia probably at the time mm -hmm. it maybe just felt too weird like yeah. people probably a lot of of the intended audience maybe went what's a hernia <laughs> yeah that's also a good point i, I was very excited by the way at age 19 when i actually got a hernia uh, and i was like <laughs> i am living the song <laughs> oh, and so shit. i forget what type i had oh, uh, maybe inguinal that's a true nerd that is a true <laughs> nerd in fact i think i was probably singing the song as i went in for surgery you know i'm thinking about this like as i'm looking at it okay so i i knew that i grew up mostly listening to in 3d with my my best friend sure but then I kind of am realizing, oh, shit, but a lot of my favorite songs are on this one, but I don't remember ever listening to this one all the way through. I'll have to ask Dan if we ever, ever did listen to this, because I don't remember him owning it. But, like, there were so, like, I, I played Good Enough For Now at his wedding. Like, I, you know, like, these are all very important to, to me. And it's weird to me that I don't remember listening to this album at all. I wonder huh. why that is. I, I also think it's as far as the cover. While I like the cover, I think it's his least dynamic cover, and I wonder if that in any way affects. It. I love it, and actually, the more I look at it, I like it more. But I feel like the other ones, maybe they're just so instantly, they're just so bombastic. There's just so much going on on them. Uh -huh. Bright colors. This is funny. This is like, I think it takes a second to get. If you don't notice that there are punks in the background, right? Of this dipshit in the front foreground playing <laughs> well, an accordion. Right. I love that they really have like a lot of dangerous looking punks. It's great. And then you know on the back uh, that they've got the guy with the purple hair reading Polka World magazine, and, uh -huh. and the girl looking on has her mouth <laughs> agape. Like it is funny, and you know maybe actually it wasn't obvious enough. Like if you'll yeah. notice, you know he didn't. I guess. But interestingly enough, another uh, underrated album, Poodle Hat, did not do that well. And that, yep. too, had a similar, it's just a strange visual joke. Yeah. It's not an obvious parody. Right. It, you don't get it right away. Yeah. And maybe with this, too, maybe. And maybe people who were just kind of dumb were like, oh, he's doing a real album of polkas. That, that, <laughs> right. that doesn't sound funny. God, that's scary. Like, they didn't that, get yeah, the joke. Yeah, that's also a good point. P.S., this is one of the great polka medleys. It is. It really is. It's it's solid. And it, and. And we should point out and, uh, another thing about Weird Al, like mm -hmm. I love, is like he'll, if he's got a great musical joke on the record and he can make it a little better live, mm -hmm. he will do it. Like live when they did Polka Party, mm -hmm. they didn't just end with uh, Papa Don't Preach. They also threw in, maybe they couldn't get permission for it or whatever, yeah. but um, uh, everybody have fun tonight. Oh, if you see him do it live, huh. go look at MTV. Uh, it's a mm -hmm. great performance. MTV uh, New Year's Eve Ball from mm -hmm. 1986. Okay, he he ends and he's got the full band in later hosen. Joe Piscopo is the host, by the way. That, that, that dates it for you. Holy but shit. But he ends with uh, the Polka Medley with a rousing, everybody have fun tonight, everybody weird Al tonight. That's awesome. It is awesome. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm realizing now, like, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it for the first time. You understand? I own this, right. I'm, but I'm I'm paying attention to the cover. It's for that like my dumbness sometimes will have that like I have all these albums and I love Weird Al, but I've never paid close attention to this album cover. I would um, spend a lot of time. This is how nerdy I am. Uh -huh. I would spend a lot of time reading the liner notes, okay. even even down to the special thanks. I love sure. that the inside a lot of great um, stuff pictures in on the inside were taken by sticking uh, the band. Al and the band put their faces on a Xerox machine. Uh -huh. That's wonderful. It's beautiful. And then you you must know this. Maybe you don't, but I'm going to tell you. I may not. So inside the vinyl, mm -hmm. in the groove, is mm -hmm. a message what? that he's etched. So on this one, it says, where's my liquid paper from uh, Dog Eat Dog? Holy crap. Is etched, and you never noticed that before? No. Oh, there. This is the first time I've yeah. had to break it out. Look on all the vinyl. I wonder if they'll, because wow. they're going to remaster his catalog and put I it out. I know. And I actually wondered for the ones that were never released this, on vinyl, right. if they'll put new messages. That's it. But on um, uh, even worse, I think it's uh, it, it's etched 100 million, because I, I, I believe that's right. Like on Bad, I think Michael Jackson had etched 10 million or okay, something like okay. that. Okay, okay. So he, he etched 100 million. <laughs> uh, but all of them, I believe, or several of them have. That's amazing. Etched in. Yeah, where's my liquid paper? How the hell have I not heard that before now? Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. See, no, you just sure. opened up my friggin' no world, problem. man. Um, I, listen, I'm I'm a true collector. I would, you know, I I would go on searching for like the 12-inch promo singles mm -hmm. of, of Living With Hernia and Christmas at Ground Zero. I have this weird dream of wanting to do, because I, I enjoy bowling, and I, uh -huh. I have two copies of uh, one of his singles, 
and I want to have one of them embedded in a bowling ball. That's a brilliant idea. Right? Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah, that you should do that. He, uh, he's on the cover of a bowling magazine this month. Really? Yeah, I thought you must know that because no, you're telling me the story. No. Yeah, Bowler's Journal. He's like the February uh, 2017 issue. He's on the cover. Holy shit. That's <laughs> so you gotta do great. It. I really want to badly. Like I, I was trying to think what would go in my a bowling ball if I could afford to get oh, that done. I'm like, really a Weird Al single. Like Genius. that's the only thing that would go in there. Yeah. And it would be lightweight, wouldn't throw it off. Anyway, okay. Well, so, you were saying, but I was yes. going to say, you, you mm-hmm. don't remember listening to this album. No. I will tell you that, okay, so through the various formats in my lifetime, I've bought this album, <laughs> oh, I'm no. going to say twice on cassette, Okay. twice on vinyl, uh-huh. twice on CD, <laughs> once digitally, uh-huh. and I've bought the individual singles. So that's a, a good chunk of income. What is the reason for buying them twice well, on CD? Uh, um, I think that what's the reason? The cassettes, I, I wore out the cassette. Okay, that's reasonable. Sure. Um, maybe I only bought the CD once, but I did buy it digitally mm-hmm. because the CD, I think, I don't know if the the, the iTunes quality sounded better okay. or anyway, I've bought it many times. Mm-hmm. But I did <laughs> also was on a car trip once where uh, it was in college. Every, um, we were we, we were like friends and then friends of friends and you're driving back you know from sure. place and you realize along the way that you all hate each other mm-hmm. or like half of you mm-hmm. hate each other yeah. and so the guy driving was a complete asshole and so my friend Mark who who's a big Weird Al fan we stopped at a truck stop and we bought Polka Party on cassette for the express purpose of playing in the car and driving this guy insane ah, which ah. which we did do well done uh, I think he actually threw us out of the car and we had to find another ride I'm not even <laughs> oh joking. my god but we were thrilled because ah. we loved Weird Al and we hated this guy sure sure he was a douche <laughs> I want to talk about okay so the the Dr. Demento thing yeah. now we've only had I think okay well, I could be wrong We've had Dan Pasternak on, who I know had a song on Dr. Yeah, Demento. he beats me. He actually got on the air. He got on the air, and, you know, his dad his dad got him a bunch of 45s cut. And he's, mm-hmm. I, Dan, I know you're listening. I still want one of those badly. <laughs> um, this is an experience I didn't get. Like, even, even if I had gotten rejected, which probably would have broken my little heart, but the idea of sell, sending... So what did you send in to Dr. Demento? I sent in cassettes. Let's mm-hmm. see. I have two rejection letters okay. here. There may have been more. These are the only ones that I could find. Uh-huh. Um, they're yellowed on Dr. Demento stationery. Uh-huh. First of all, I give him credit because, again, we have YouTube now. You can upload anything. Back then, you couldn't get your song on the radio. No, no. You couldn't do that. So the fact that there was a guy in Los Angeles who would listen to your cassettes, probably mm-hmm. most of them horrible, including mine, mm-hmm. and pick a few and play them... What a gateway! Yeah. What a precious gift! I just didn't get that gift, but I, but it was <laughs> but it was a nice goal. Um, I did. I will say that I did get some of my songs played on local radio. You did. Awesome. Yes, okay. I did, and that hearing your song come out of a radio is just like they describe it. Just like the scene in that thing you do, except yep. that I was fourteen and in my pajamas. But there was a <laughs> there was a show on the college station, uh, WXCI. Um, uh, what the hell was it called? I can't. Um, on some underground or something. But they played. My song, Geeky Rap. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. But we were not able to get Dr. Demento to do it, but he, he, here's what he wrote. June 4th, 1985. Dear Eddie, many belated thanks for sending the tape of songs by Bullschmidt. Great name. I thought, yes. Mm-hmm. Regrettably, I'm unable to include these in the show at this time. We receive many fine tapes each week, and there simply isn't enough t- airtime for all the deserving ones. If you come up with any more comedy slash novelty material in the future, though, I'd be interested in hearing it. Thanks for the Dr. Demento logo, too. I must have drawn something. Awesome. Or I, maybe I did like a station ID or something. Mm, okay. Stay demented, Dr. Demento. <laughs> and then this time he actually mentioned the songs. The okay. second one. I tried again. This was only about eight months later. February 3rd, 1986. <laughs> Dear Eddie, thanks so much for the tape of Wait a Minute, which was an original song written by my dad. Awesome. My dad was sharing my dream here. And Like a Freshman. Yes, that's right. Even though Weird Al had done Like a Surgeon, <laughs> I thought that my high school comedic take on the song, Like a Freshman, would somehow still get airplay. It was very oh, insightful. so good. Alas, I'm unable to use these on the show at the present time. Gee, I wonder why. <laughs> I really appreciate your interest and hope you keep at it with the demented tunes. It wouldn't surprise me if you came up with a hot one before too long, especially with a name like Bullschmidt. <laughs> well, I didn't come up with a hot one. Right. I did then... Uh, as I mentioned before we were recording, start a, f- a f- sort of f- Beastie Boy style rap group called Molly Ringworm. Mm-hmm. And I did wind up getting some local Connecticut success out of that. Awesome. They re- local cool record store sold us on an indie compilation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did a heavy metal song about Mr. Rogers called Burn the Trolley. 
Um, you know, we, 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 we attained some minor level <laughs> of, of Connecticut based indie rock mid eighties success. Uh, but my career obviously was not, not to be, I was not meant to be a funny music maker full time. <laughs> Dr. Demento's gonna like this, or was it was it sheer joy in making it, or the, was there in the back of your mind this like no 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 this is gonna go Dr. Demento's gonna I, like I this shit. I hoped it was gonna go. I think I actually did continue to send him some solo songs even mm-hmm. into the early '90s, which then by then I think he gave up. I mean, he didn't even send me a letter uh-huh. back. But I don't blame him. But um, we were. I mean, Bullschmidt, by the way, was a performing entity. Like mm-hmm. I was performing at the Town Park Pool uh-huh. with my band. Like we had a whole show. So I think we felt like oh we're just this is fun and we're doing it and that the dr demento was like the pinnacle like that was our version of yeah, yeah. carson or letterman like if we could just get on demento mm-hmm. that would be amazing like that blow your mind yeah so um we we were going to continue to do it regardless yeah that's good did. do you yeah. still have any of the old, the old tapes of the shows uh of the demento shows yes um they probably those radio shack cassettes probably did not hold up mm-hmm. i have i have my songs mm-hmm. which i preserved on a slightly better quality of like max l or tdk mm-hmm. cassette okay good right uh, but i don't know if i have any demento shows i i'm not going to pressure you too much but <laughs> at some point if you send me i would love i keep asking okay. people if you've got uh rich scheidner is going to send me his his first stand-up set ever of, of, of all the time from 40 some years ago wow. he's got the tape and he's like yeah i'll send it to you so i like these are things you know okay. again i'm i'm here to expose your childhood well well the, <laughs> well the molly ringworm stuff mm-hmm. exists that um, I believe is actually online. Awesome. So that I can point you toward. Okay, good. The Bullschmidt stuff has not really seen the light of day. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps it could. Sure. Fr- Fruit Loops maybe deserves to see the light of day. Mm-hmm. We did do uh, a, a tasteless parody of John Fogarty's The Old Man Down the Road is the Old Man in the Nursing Home. Maybe that. <laughs> um, he wears his bedpan on his head. Perhaps, perhaps that needs to come out. I don't know. I love this. It song. can't hurt my career at this point. Because right. It's, so divergent from my actual mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Did you know now, yeah. I don't know if you're aware of this, uh, I don't know if you have a record shop you prefer, but at Record Surplus, I've gone to a few times. Sorry, guys, this is local L.A. talk. Love Record Surplus. They, they're amazing. Yeah. Have you ever found when they've got full Demento shows on vinyl there? Yeah, I oh, have. I, I haven't been to buy tempted. Them so bad. On eBay, sometimes you'll see them, but they're like 250 bucks a pop. Woo! Yeah, they're yeah. cheaper at Record Surplus, yes. at least. But yeah, still, it's yeah. crazy. There, there are ones, the ones I wanted to get actually were the ones that had the interviews with Weird Al. Okay, there were sure. a number of really good shows over the years where Demento would have him on as like the centerpiece guest. And mm-hmm. he would play, again, once again, play his own stuff, but would also play stuff he loved. That's he would so play good. Tony O'Kay, uh-huh. who is really great and satirical and, and just musically cool. Um, and so, uh, once again, like he... Always, you know, tip the hat to other great music. Oh, it's, see, I've never, I don't think I've ever heard any of those interviews either. I think oh, I would probably yeah, they're, really like they're, them. They're really good because, you know, they're essentially peers. So mm-hmm. the, so there's sort of a shorthand there, like, mm-hmm. you know, about, about making the stuff. Yeah. Um, and you feel like, again, like they're sort of in on it together. Yeah. The, you know, the steps of his career. Um, and I did bring with me. So now I was fortunate enough. I've had when I was, I guess it was maybe I was around 14. 15, I guess, Mm -hmm. um, a family friend of mine um, who was producing a radio show in L.A. at the time. Mm -hmm. His name was Kenny Wollen. When they had Weird Al on the show, uh, he had Weird Al call me at home. Oh, my God. Um, And uh, and that was super cool. That's amazing. It was amazing. And I was like 
so nervous and and you know it was like a five minute phone call but like that weird Al did it and was super nice and then they sent me like a bunch of autographed stuff and like wow yeah i got a like a surgeon picture disc like wow 45 yeah it's I've really cool seen that. That's oh awesome. it's super cool and <clears throat> excuse me that's the kind of stuff like by the way super nice man yes i met him a couple of times mm -hmm. um and always, always really good to fans. Like, yeah. that's how you have a lasting career for decades. Mm -hmm. Like, you are always cool to the people who are supporting your work. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just a 15-year-old kid in Connecticut. He doesn't have to – he's on his way out the door from a morning radio show. Uh -huh. I'm tired. I have no I, – I, I don't want to talk to this kid. <laughs> but he did. And he did it with, like, total, like, enthusiasm and grace. And I remember, like, I, what I, I was, like, very adamant. I was like – I just want to tell you that I think one more minute is a great song. He was like, Oh, thank you. Like, cause I, I knew that he didn't get as much love for the originals. Okay, and okay, even yeah. then at 15, I was like, the originals are amazing. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I've got to let him know. Like That's I thought so he needed my validation. Right, right, right. Of yeah. course. <laughs> um, so I joined the fan club, mm -hmm. which was at the time close personal friends of Al. Yeah. Um, again, clever mocking both, both celebrating the fans, but mocking the idea of fan clubs. Mm hmm. And so they had a contest for the Complete Al, which was a, a Showtime special oh, yes, right. and VHS tape. Mm -hmm. And if you were the winning entry, you would get a an autographed Complete Al poster. Man. I was the winning entry. So good. So, so good. I am holding my close personal friends of Al newsletter, uh, volume one, issue three from 1986. And if, if you wouldn't mind, can I read oh, you oh, please do. my entry? Are now, you kidding? they titled it. I think I probably sent it in without a title. <laughs> But they titled it The Complete Al, a review by Eddie Schmidt. Who could blame them because mm -hmm. I didn't give them a title. But here's what it says. The Complete Al contest has a winner. After memorizing and evaluating each and every entry, Al's <laughs> illustrious staff chose this offering from Eddie Schmidt of Sandy Hook, Connecticut. The Complete Al, a review by Eddie Schmidt. The Complete Al by Weird Al Yankovic brings an ecstasy usually only associated with Batman Pez dispensers. My favorite caricature... Not character, character, caricature. I thought I was being clever. My favorite caricature is Barry Cohen, who is a terrific parody of fast-talking managers. Of course, Weird Al is brilliant in performance and in eight classic video clips. It is Al who utters the program's immortal line. Okay. The Complete <laughs> Al is the best 100 minutes you'll ever spend, unless you are locked in a room with Christy Brinkley and a trunk of Cool Whip. And then it's a, at, at press time, Eddie was unavailable for comment or deliberately not answering his phone. Um, I think I probably didn't give my phone number, but, but I want to say I have no basis. There's no basis. In fact, I will just say this is 1986. Mm -hmm. I said locked in a room with Christy Brinkley and a trunk of Cool Whip. Mm hmm. On the next album, even worse, was mm -hmm. a song called Stuck in a Closet with Vanna, Vanna White. White. Perhaps the seed of inspiration somewhere in this contest entry? I don't know. And I never it never even occurred to me until I pulled it out now. And I was like, wait a minute. Supermodel. Mm -hmm. Letter turning spokes girl. Sure. Locked in a room, stuck in a car. I don't know. They're not. It's. It's. I, it's. I don't know. I'm. I'm gonna I, go ahead and say I, that. You're maybe the he reason. just realized, like, oh, this is my fan base. I'm going to target them with something they'll love. That's also true. That's <laughs> also true. I gotta tell you, that is that is the perfect voice for anything that Weird Al has. That's perfect. That's exactly. I can see why they chose it. I fucking. That's adorable. I mean, not adorable. Just Thank adorable. You. It's really fucking funny. Thank you. Well, and it yeah. meant a lot to me. And then, of course, the poster came, and it was banged up. Oh, I mean, I still have it. Sure. Uh, and it said something like, um, you know, it was really, truly, it wasn't just he signed it in a pile. It said mm -hmm. something like, um, may your, you know, may your life be filled <clears throat> with Pez dispensers and Cool Whip. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I might have it on my phone. <laughs> I could quote it for sure. But it was a great thing. I hung it in my college dorm room. I hung it, you know, and it just, it was a little bit banged up. And so my mom, who I think might have helped me with that, said, oh, well, you should send another letter saying, Thank you so much, but unfortunately, the mailman was not a close personal friend of Al. <laughs> Could I have another one? Which mm -hmm. was a little bit kind of maybe ballsy, but uh -huh. I did it. They did not send me another one. I don't blame them. Mm -hmm. I was very happy to have this, and I still have it today. That's it's so still good. in my possession, um, and it meant a lot. Yeah. I mean, I was thrilled. Like, I'm in the close personal friends of Al newsletter. Great. That's like, I thought great. life can only just keep getting better. <laughs> of course. Now, what are the, under what circumstances have you met him? Uh, I met, you know, none of which will be memorable to him. Sure. Um, I'm sure. As it always uh, it, is. Yeah. It, it was. So that, I guess you could say when he called me when I was a kid, mm -hmm. uh, then I met him, 
Um, again, did I talk? To, I, I met him. Uh, he hosted the Billboard Music Video Awards mm-hmm. at um, uh, the, the it was a nice hotel. Um, I'm forgetting. It was Ma Maison. It's on La Cienega in Beverly. Really nice hotel. Mm-hmm. Huge event. I had just come to live in L.A. to follow my own dream in the movie and TV world. And I ponied up for myself and my friend. It was probably like 50, 50 bucks a pop. Mm-hmm. So for me, $100 at the time, I was probably only making $300 a week. Sure, yeah. It's a huge deal. But I was like, this will be an industry event. Like, like I can go. And it's he's not playing to the rafters. It's for whoever's in this room. Like, mm-hmm. and, and he's the host. So he's essentially doing like Weird Al stand-up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was great. Oh. He showed the video for Bedrock Anthem before it had pre- premiered anywhere. Awesome. He had the great, you know, um, video barrage intro of all the ridiculous clips mm-hmm. and just just did a, a, a great job as host as you would expect he knocks out of the park any time he performs and so afterwards i, I went up to him because i thought well i can yeah and it's approachable and you know maybe he thinks i'm somebody because i'm in this room so i could actually talk to him and i was being a fan i was like hey al i, I noticed in the video intro letterman like when were you on letterman and he goes, uh, no, nah, I wasn't on Letterman. There was a bit where Letterman looks into the audience and goes, um, hey, look at that guy. There's the winner of the Weird Al Yankovic lookalike contest. Because <laughs> it was like a barrage of people saying Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I think I showed him I had Rastafarian vans I was very proud of. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, Al, check out my vans. Um, he, he uh, My friend wanted him to sign... He had a check. He was like a like a blank check. Like, uh-huh. did you sign it? I think he signed it Mel Torme. <laughs> like he just he was just gracious and funny and real. Yeah. And like just everything you'd hope for. Like like he was just he, he you felt like you were talking to him and he was, you know, just like a cool, weird guy that you'd hang out with, but he was also this incredible entertainer who'd just come off stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that he could have just said, Get get out of my way, I'm tired, you know. Oh, I couldn't live a single Actually, on second thought, well, I suppose I could. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is, honey, you're the greatest. Well, at any rate, I guess you're pretty good. Now, it seems to me I'm relatively lucky. I know I probably couldn't ask for too much more I honestly can say you're an above-average lady You're almost just what I've been looking for I've never even gotten once a, I'm sorry, a, a weird out. I understand that he was a little freaked out or he was exhausted. I've never even gotten one of those. It's always exactly what you're describing. Somehow that grace never falters. I don't get it. He I was, uh, once again, met him in another industry event. It was um, like a National Songwriters Hall of Fame thing. Randy Newman was performing awesome. that night. And my friend, the, again, li- this lifelong friend, Jason, who we mm-hmm. saw the concert with, he was working for this company, Disc Makers. And we got to go. And it was I mean, we were in like the VIP room. It was like Art Garfunkel and Randy Holy Newman, crap. and like to see to see Randy Newman see Weird Al and go, "Hey Al!" Like Holy you know, shit. like, "Oh wow, I'm watching these two brilliant wow. geniuses." And once again, you know, very approachable. Very, you know, I think I was like said something like because I knew that um, I knew that he was forced into doing these like compilation albums mm-hmm. sort of before their time. Oh, I was yeah. like. I was like, oh, Al, like I saw the, the another cartoon cover. I, I, I knew that you didn't sang, you know, sanction or I knew to stay away. And he was like, yeah, I, I, I know my record company makes me do that. Like it was the food album. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it was like, cause you felt like, oh, I want new Weird Al. I don't want to buy a repackage. Yeah. Like there was a time where they were putting out a lot of repackagings. And uh, like he, I said, are you working on it? He's like, oh, I just was in the studio. I just did cut a couple new tracks. And mm-hmm. I was like, I can't wait. You know, yeah. I think those tracks at the time was the end of 95. So it would have been. I think everything you know is wrong, mm. and maybe the U two parody cavity search. He had just rec- he didn't tell me at the time, mm-hmm. but sure. just that he was just talking to you like a pr- yeah. I just recorded some new tracks as opposed That's to amazing. like get away from me, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, and he posed. He was graciously posed for goofy pictures with us, just like mm-hmm. just the best. Like you left feeling like I am absolutely within my right to be a total fan of this super cool funny guy. Yeah. Uh, and then the final time was that we <laughs> that my friend. Um, 
who's a very well-known um, movie editor, um, was friends with the guy who owned the recording studio where he had recorded Running With Scissors. So uh -huh. I got to go with my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, to the listening party for Running oh. With Scissors, which I just felt like... And I... Uh, Al had another fanzine after this called Midnight Star okay. that I was like submitting stuff to and mm -hmm. kind of writing for. And like, I didn't even want to tell them I was there. Like, I felt like I shouldn't be here, but <laughs> I was like, but I can't not go. Of course. Of course. And so my wife still makes fun of me because we sort of stayed till the end because I, I kind of wanted to be able to talk to Weird Al. But in that setting, this was at a point where, because it wasn't a big thing, it was like an intimate thing that was his. Mm -hmm. I felt somehow like an interloper. And I, I was also at the time, like in my career, you know, I was, I had just signed a deal with Fox TV studios, but I wasn't known. And I sort of felt like I'm not known enough to be an industry person to be here, but I'm mm -hmm. not just a fan. I kind of want to relate at a peer level, but I'm not at that level. Sure. So I kind of clammed up, but wouldn't leave. <laughs> so my wife and I were like cleaning up pizza, mm -hmm. uh, you know, with, with him and his girlfriend at the time. And, uh, and just, my wife was looking at me like, what, why are you not saying anything? Like, she's like, I'm talking to weird Al. He's super nice. And you're not saying anything. And I just sort of, I just like felt shy, like, because uh -huh. it's always the people I think. And it's funny. Cause I hadn't felt shy at those other times. And I don't know if it was because there were a lot of people around. And I knew that he, you know, it would be a short interaction, but here it was like behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And I think it is the people that you really love when you're that 12, 13, 14, that make you nervous. Like I've, I've met huge, huge stars mm -hmm. that I haven't been nervous around at all sure. and worked with. And, but for whatever reason at that moment in, I'd like to believe that if I met weird Al again now, mm -hmm. we could have a, you know, normal conversation. But at that time I was not secure enough to be like, Hey Al, it's me. I'm the guy that writes for midnight star <laughs> and I've been a fan since forever. You know, you just keep that in your bag at all times and just <laughs> scream like a little child when you see him next. yeah that's really appropriate. sorry this yeah just that, do that that'll, that'll go well that'll work right I'm sure sure did i ask you what your favorite track off this album is by the way i don't know if i asked you your favorite track oh um well i i, I think i would go with dog eat dog but yeah. um because it just it's just so cool and musically great yeah i think it's the same for me but i do think like i said the polka medley is terrific living with a hernia addicted to spuds I like mm -hmm. I, I I liked it a lot live when he had the giant Mr. Potato Heads performing <laughs> with him. That was wonderful. <laughs> Christmas at Ground Zero, terrific satire. And then what's interesting on this album is that there are just some straight up, like, I actually really enjoy. I'll say as a fan of music that is music first and funny second. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of music out there. I mean, look, Randy Newman, Jonathan Richmond. There's some terrific music. They're not comedy artists but right. they're doing very witty stuff and sure. i actually really like when weird al ventures into that territory and it isn't think you know it isn't i have to have a bunch of jokes sure. like skipper dan is a great example yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's a great that could be a great song for anybody i agree yeah and so there's two songs on this don't wear those shoes and mm -hmm. one of those days that are very funny but they're straight ahead like rockers or or pop. I guess don't wear those shoes more pop. And one of those days is more straight up rocker. Mm -hmm. They're just good songs. Yeah, they'd be good songs for anybody. Um, I think on a Weird Al tribute album, they were both covered in interesting ways by other musicians. Okay, and so I just really enjoy that. You know, I just mm -hmm. I like when he's just like, hey, this is a fun song that I wrote, and it's not. It doesn't have to hit the gag each time it's sure. just like it's in this vein and it's just a fun song you know? yeah party at the leper colony i guess that's more <laughs> gag oriented but that's a Still. great song too mm -hmm. and so he's got a, a number of those throughout his catalog i kind of realized the other day that weird al is is throwing me in terms of my appreciation for comedy music because we just started talking about martin mall oh yeah for the first time we just we just recorded our sixth anniversary show and i i my guest was james urbaniak and i've never done this on the oh, show wow. before and i was like Explain yourself. That was that is so. I gave him the hour to, uh -huh. to convince me, and it, I don't. I won't say I'm not. I'm convinced, but I think I'm so used to, again, the more straightforward comedy stuff. Right. That like that is my expectation. Anytime I know there's a comedian making right. music, right. and so I had I, I'm having to readjust my brain accordingly. But that's so interesting. Well, and also the level of production. I mean, you For have sure. to like yeah. it's so sophisticated, and that's eventually why I sort of gave up on Demento. Is like by the you know a few albums in weird i was blowing everybody out of the water of course like yeah. it was hard to listen to like a tinny recorded <laughs> like bad vocal in relation to the mix yeah, song yeah. on demento because weird Al had it just fucking down mm -hmm. and so um with martin mall actually when i first because again it's an age thing like mall came before so i wasn't paying attention mm -hmm. but 
uh, Weird Al actually was one of the uh, he performed on a 1990 Just for Laughs special mm-hmm. with Bob Newhart. Um, to see Bob Newhart intro Weird Al was super yeah, cool. Yeah, that's amazing. And uh, and and uh, with uh, Dave Thomas of SCTV oh. and Martin Mull. And Martin Mull ended doing this song um, uh, where it was you think it's a love song that he's trying to be sophisticated and speak in French and oh yeah, punch is hors d'oeuvre. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, just say hors d'oeuvre. <laughs> and that was when I was like, oh, Martin Mull, I get it. Like mm-hmm. like Martin Mull. You know, was this cool musical guy? I had yeah. no idea. Yeah. Um, so it took until then for me to get it. You could have a big dipper going up and down all around the bends. You could have a bumper car bumping. This amusement never ends. I want to be your sledgehammer. I'm going to have to revisit just just for the sake of that's the exact example by the way of James Urbaniak's first experience I think with Martin Mull that song but just previous years I think on uh, the Tonight Show is where he saw it first right and uh, yeah so the same kind of thing so I'm again I'm I, I keep treat acting like I'm super smart for loving Weird Al's deeper stuff and then it's like oh clearly I still need to be hit over the head every once in a while to get the joke right right oh, um, boy. yeah and this you know like we said uh, earlier on like I was deep into my fandom and Mm -hmm. this album didn't do that well and it didn't matter to me like i thought i just figured weird al would endure forever and it was interesting years later when he would say oh i thought maybe my career was over yeah and it never even occurred to me at the time that maybe his career was over because to me it was like well there'll always be room for weird al right like yeah some some hit some don't but like of course he'll get more records Mm mm-hmm um, it just was a it was not even a question, but I you know like I put the uh, living with a hernia uh, pictures from the video in my locker. <laughs> <laughs> like I eagerly anticipated his appearance as the Cabbage Man from Outer Space on the Amazing Story Show. Like like each milestone, I was like, yeah, we're now he's 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 just getting bigger and bigger. Like yeah. it, it never thought like. Oh no, maybe there won't be a weird owl. That was just like not even yeah. in my mind. And so, of course, UHF was like, "This is the pinnacle, <laughs> the weird owl um, <clears throat> movie." <clears throat> Excuse me, the it's, cats are getting to me. It's so much fun. It's <clears throat> that that movie's a lot of fun. Well, you know what's interesting is, so my son is fourteen, and he loves it as much as me. We've been watching it periodically since he was probably about eight. Wow. And he doesn't know what UHF is, of but course. he gets that it is. Uh, the forebearer of YouTube style con- like he mm-hmm. gets that instinctively it That's wasn't like I had awesome. to explain it to him he's like oh no 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 like I I mean he, he loves it it's yeah. one of our favorite movies and it holds up and I saw it no one will believe me but I saw it three times in the theater it's awesome because it had a national sneak preview mm-hmm. on the week before, mm-hmm. which I always thought that's not cool because that meant a whole bunch of box office went to Great Balls of Fire. It should have gone to oh, UHF. Right, right. right. Uh, so I saw it then. Then I saw it when it officially came out on the 21st. And then I saw it the next weekend on the 28th. And then it wasn't around. Anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, but I prided myself on, uh, you know, to see it in a theater. Uh-huh. I mean, you, yeah, even, it's not my movie, but I felt like, oh. Weird Al's arrived. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Um, and oh, an yeah. odd thing yes. is that, so I, my name and Weird Al's appear on a documentary together mm-hmm. because I executive produced a documentary called Candyman about the inventor of the Jelly Belly Jelly Bean. Oh, wow. And I came on in post and they had already shot an interview with Weird Al. Oh. And so, they, in fact, they had a festival. I saw it at a festival and I was like, I love this movie, guys. I... I really want to help. And so, you know, we gave him notes. We sort of recut it for release and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, but I came in as an, as an exec producer later and mm-hmm. helped, helped to 
get birthed into the world. And I was so thrilled that like, oh my God, my name and Weird Al's name will be in the same credit block. So good. But of course I didn't get to meet him in conjunction with that because it was done at separate times. But um, just a funny footnote. It's just nice that you're always going to be this nerd. It's good. It's really good. (laughs) It's super positive. I've totally just opened up my complete nerddom to you on this show. And I, you know, I don't always get a chance to do that when I'm doing a, serious or not so serious documentary of course not uh, yeah I, I get it now do you okay so do you want uh, do you have a way to condense why to listen to this album let's let's say okay. somebody doesn't know sure. weird al and this somehow i know this is not necessarily wouldn't this wouldn't have been your first choice but let's treat it as somebody has to listen to this oh, for any the weird first al time my first choice okay so let, let's say i would say uh as with all it's, it's a great snapshot 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 (laughs) of the state of mid 80s pop music Mm -hmm. like because it's a lot of the parodies sort of do have a lot of like synthesized sounds like even the elder barge sound like i remember thinking like wow how do you get those keyboard sounds like weird al always kept up with the times in that sense um the polka medley exactly look is like 1986 pop music to a t Mm -hmm. The James Brown resurgence, the Robert Palmer parody, like these things stick around. Talking Heads, like they had just come off a huge album. David Byrne was going to make a movie, like, and and then this sort of like, you know, to do a classic Christmas song. Um, yeah, I think it sort of it it hits a number of bases for a Weird Al fan that you might not realize you need to circle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I would say for sure, like it, if you haven't listened to it or gone back and really tried to enjoy it. Um, you're in for a treat because even I would say, and you mentioned this earlier, good enough for now, totally underrated. Yeah. I always thought, and maybe I'll get to do somebody. I I always thought that it should be used in a film. I could see it Mm -hmm. being used in a film and I thought, well, maybe I'll get to use it in a film. Oh, that'd be good. Um, But, but you could just imagine it being the wonderful sarcastic mm-hmm. under on montage you know you know and I've, I've had the same thought about some of his other originals i'm like i'm surprised i haven't that just hasn't cropped up in a movie before maybe people just think it's going to be too strange and out of place but no in the right movie a it weird would be Alpha terrific would be perfect yeah well i uh you know did you watch the goldbergs when he played his 80s version of himself? no i did not pretty, get to see that amazingly pretty much the same <laughs> uh, it's very good you should watch it because mm-hmm. it really was clearly adam F. Goldberg is clearly a Weird Al fan nerd, and yeah. has written great lines for Weird Al. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's perfect. Um, but I remember reading because they use King of Suede in the montage and like, awesome. a, like a sort of, you know, um, I think like a say anything type mm-hmm. moment uh, between Adam and his girlfriend. But I thought, gee, why a parody? And then I read that they had used in the temps mm-hmm. good old days. And I guess right. some people thought. Oh, this song is a little like it's the what we were talking about earlier. This the subversive mm-hmm. side of Weird Al. Yeah, and I thought, and and probably it was too strong for some people. Interesting. It's funny. I ended up doing one of the documentaries I did was a music doc mm-hmm. called Troubadours about the singer songwriter scene, James Taylor, Carol King, mm-hmm. and the Troubadour Club. And I never had the nerve to ask James Taylor if he had heard Good Old Days, <laughs> but I was always curious yeah. because I thought, God. Did they nail it? Not only oh, yeah. is it lyrically brilliant and dark and funny, but the vocal stylings right down to the Russ Kunkel bongo and the like Lee Sklar bass. And so then when I got to like be around those guys, mm-hmm. I kept thinking like, this is incredible. Like, you know, their musicianship and that Weird Al had nailed it. And I just kept always wondering like, mm. what did they think of that? But I never, right. I never asked. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Um, okay. So this is going to come out. March 8th, unless you've got something to promote sooner. Um, I don't. I'm okay. in production on stuff now that I won't be out for a while. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just doing this for the lo- for the love of talking comedy records with you. I mean, people can certainly, you know, uh, Chelsea Does, the documentary mm-hmm. series that I did with Chelsea Handler, is on mm-hmm. Netflix and Evergreen. It's always there. Yep. Um, so... The, Any yeah. artist should go see Beauty is, is Embarrassing. Now, is it still on Netflix right now? Um, I don't know if it's on Netflix. I don't I, think it is. It's on, I, I'm sure, sure it's on iTunes and Amazon and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I mean, Beauty is Embarrassing and, and Neil Berkeley, who directed it, I, I exec produced, um, is really, I, I think, as you, as you were about to say, like, uh, as any creative person, anyone who loves to create but also wants to have balance in their life, like mm-hmm. family and love. And how do you navigate all that? And how do you try to be successful, but be true to yourself? Like all of those ideas are in that movie. And yeah. it, it really, it was important to me. Like yeah. I felt like, Oh, this is a, 
these are messages I could get behind. Mm -hmm. you know? And as a result of that, Wayne White was one of my favorite guests on this podcast ever. Just oh, so much fun. Wayne is terrific. Um, we wanted to actually do a series around Wayne, and I still think there is a terrific oh, yeah. series around him to do. Oh, God, um, yeah. Morgan Neville and I and Neil Berkeley. Um, but yeah, Wayne is great. And I mean, anyone should seek out Wayne's art, whether mm -hmm. it's at, a, at an installation because he's doing stuff everywhere. His ter he has a terrific coffee table book. Mm -hmm. And uh, and if, if you, you know, for those listening who haven't seen beauty you know about a third of it is a sort of behind the scenes of peewee's playhouse yeah so that's like an amazing little you know beautiful trip on its own yeah so um is there anywhere online people can follow you or do you prefer not to be followed I, no, I, <laughs> yeah no i ha i'm i'm public but i'm i lock my account and keep it private <laughs> i don't understand that no i am on i'm on twitter as eddie underscore schmidt okay S-C-H-M-I-D-T. Perfect. Yes. And you can find me there. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. It was a tr total treat, man. I appreciate it. You need it. to come back. You absolutely need to come back. <laughs> Give yourself some time to, you know, from recover from the cats. But I, you do need to come back. <laughs> Thanks. I realized we, I could talk about a non-Weird Al comedy album, which is Great White North. I don't know if you've done that. We've done it. Okay. All right. Well, but I think we'll, maybe we'll only the once. Okay. It's one of my favorites, though. So. Oh, so, so it'll be fun to talk about. Okay. Um, if you at this point we're still doing it, a uh, comedy album a day. I'm doing a, a video. I'm trying to do them every day. I'm listening to a comedy album a day, uh, and on YouTube.com/slash/comedy-on-vinyl, I'm just talking about my first impressions. So a lot of these are me being a fresh, just complete greenhorn about these things. Uh, greenhorn. Am I, am, I, am I a prospector? Um, but, so those, those are coming out all this year. I've got a movie called Looking Forward 2016 that came out last year as a series of blogs. This year it will be cut into a fake documentary. Um, I think that's about it. And subscribe to us, all that good shit. Um, but again, Eddie, thank you for being here. Thank you. And thank you guys for Go listening. forth and be funny, everyone. Yes, please do. And as always, have a good thing. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. Please visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, and if you like us, give us a five-star rating and a nice review. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl, Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl, and find everything else at ComedyOnVinyl.com. A major portion of Comedy on Vinyl has been underwritten by Stand Up Records. Please visit StandUpRecords.com for all your comedy needs and tune into the new Stand Up channel available on the Roku, where you can also find select episodes of this podcast. 